Hello, you're very welcome into NCBI's Technology Podcast. It's Stuart Lawler with you. This is episode number 14 for July 2013. Very nice to be back with you again and hope you're going to enjoy the next 55 minutes of our technology podcast. This month, we're meeting some students from our assistive technology course as part of our Learning for Life Rehabilitation Training Program at NCBI in Whitworth Road. I'm continuing our look at Windows 8 with part two when we're exploring Windows Narrator and the Windows 8 charms. Serbi Gupta, an app developer from San Francisco, is telling us all about a new iOS app called Brailist. And finally, musician and singer Nicky Keeley joins us from his home in Carlo to talk about his use of assistive technology. That's all coming up on this month's edition of NCBI's Technology Podcast. Well, as I'm recording this episode of our technology podcast, it's uh, the second week in July and we are right in the middle of our Irish summer stroke heatwave. Uh, it's just fantastic weather. I hope by the time you're listening to it, the weather is remaining upbeat and that you might even have a chance to listen to our podcast sitting outside and relaxing uh, wherever you are listening and whatever you may be doing. I hope you're going to enjoy this month's episode. First of all, with a bit of uh, news on our current availability outside of our own website at www.ncbi.ie, I'm absolutely delighted to let you know that we are being carried uh, by iBlink Radio. That's the service run by Serotech. And of course, you can get iBlink for iOS and Android devices. We're under the podcast category in iBlink Radio, and we're with a very uh, well-established group of podcasters there, including uh, the BBC Ouch podcast and uh, Access Talk from the UK, Freedom Scientific's FS cast, and lots more. So we're absolutely delighted to be part of that illustrious group of podcasters. And thank you very very much to Serotech for facilitating our inclusion. We're also available now on the iTunes store. Um, if you do a search for NCBI, you'll find our podcast. And you can also do that from the podcasts app on iOS and subscribe to us directly that way if you want. Remember, you'll always find show notes for the podcast at www.ncbi.ie forward slash technology podcast. And we link to uh, any stories or articles or pieces of information that we discuss on the programme and you'll get our RSS feed at www.ncbi.ie forward slash technologypodcast.xml If you want to get in touch with us of course at any time send an email to technologypodcast at ncbi.ie that's technologypodcast at ncbi.ie We'd love to hear from you with your feedback comments and suggestions You're listening to NCBI's Technology Podcast for July 2013. As you will probably hear from the acoustics, I'm not in studio. I'm sitting in our rehabilitation training centre here on Whitworth Road. One of the things we haven't done since we started our technology podcast was to introduce you to some of the trainees who are participating on our Learning for Life programme. 
This is a good opportunity to do so because we're in the middle today, as we're recording, we're in the middle of our weekly assistive technology class. And uh, what a good time to talk about assistive technology on our monthly technology podcast. So we're going to talk to a couple of the participants in the course today to find out what they're learning on this class and talk to Sharon, the course tutor. First of all, I'm sitting beside Barry, Barry O'Donnell, who's one of our trainees. Barry, you're welcome to the Technology Podcast. You're very good. Thanks, Stuart. Tell us a little bit, first of all, the assistive technology course for you. What have you been um, learning this year? What's been interesting for you in this program? Okay. I suppose the, the major thing I've, I've learned is about a, a program called Balabalka. Uh, it's understand it's a free program and it allows you to convert text, for example, a Microsoft Word document into an audio book or an MP3 format which is kind of very handy for things like recipes that you can convert from Word into uh, MP3 and, uh, say, store on your phone or, or on your computer. I suppose other things I've also learned is, um, is also for entertainment, which would include a, would include a website, blind, website like blindy.tv, B-L-I-N-D-Y.tv, which is literally five back-to-back uh, channels of audio description which comes from the states with programs like Law and Order and CSI and The Simpsons to, uh, to what you name but a few and I've also learned uh, a, lot, a lot about uh, a lot about email clients uh, and also very important things in word processing like the good old F7 for spell checking which makes sure that all your documents are spelled correctly and saves so much time with having to manually correct things. So I find that it's a very positive experience. One learns about uh, phones, uh, one one learns about all the great products out there, things like accessible TV, and uh, there's there's a lot of good products out there to make, make life easier. I'm now with Martina Gibney. Martina is another one of our course attendees. Martina, you're welcome. Thank you, Stuart. You were talking to me a few minutes ago about the technology exhibition that NCBI ran last October. Indeed, we featured some recordings in our podcast. You attended that, and I think you found it quite interesting. Yes, I did. Um, I found it interesting in finding out about the different uh, pieces of technology that was available to visually impaired person people because I... Um, I wasn't aware that there was so much technology available and um you know so I I I found that very helpful and I also um happened to meet a lot of people um at the technology exhibition because I was helping out Sharon on the registration desk. I'm now joined by Claire Shorten. Claire is another member of our Learning for Life programme and joins the Assistive Technology class. You're welcome to the podcast, Claire. Thanks, Stuart. What have you been learning about this year? What's jumped out at you in terms of interesting technology? Um, I think for me personally, the most interesting technology is the iPhone. Um, when I lost my eyesight, I thought texting, calling people, even just going on the internet was going to be very hard. But the iPhone has so much accessibility qualities to it. Um, it has the voiceover app. But then you have apps like Flexi, which you can actually text. It's predictive texting. So you text quicker and faster, and it gets rid of, I suppose, the stress of going A, A, B, B, you know, double tapping on things. Yeah, just in general, the iPhone's really good for a lot of things. Then the iTunes is great. Um, we had a lesson with iTunes on the laptop. So that's the um, software that's connected to your iPhone to transfer music, um, audio books, anything from your laptop to your iPhone. One of the other things I know you've 
expressed interest in as someone who's learning Braille is Braille display technology. Yeah. The electronic Braille display that, that we looked at earlier on in the year. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Stuart, when I first seen it, I thought it was like a toy. I was playing a little game with it. But I think it's amazing because when you're typing, sometimes you can be quite... Say, when I do go to college again and I'm taking any notes, lecture notes, it'd be way faster, I think, to just be typing in Braille and then it, it's connected through Bluetooth to an iPhone, a laptop, anything like that. So you're typing it in Braille, but then it comes out in written words, which I think would be a faster way of, again, taking notes and more accessible. I'm here with Sharon Lyons. Sharon is the class tutor for the assistive technology module and, of course, also as our ICT tutor within the centre. And Sharon made a previous appearance on the podcast uh, when we talked about Android last year. So, Sharon, welcome back. Thanks very much, Nice Stuart. to have you back. Yeah. Um, Welcome to the AT class. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's been lovely just to chat with people today, but what's mm-hmm. the sort of thrust of the AT class? Where is, it, where is it all coming from? What's the background? I guess it's just because the, the one thing about technology, as you know with the, with the podcast, that it's changing all the time. And um, there, there may be something out there that's the latest and greatest thing and we bring it into the AT class if we can <laughs> we try and get hold of a, a, a new piece of technology or borrow it from somewhere and and then it, it we will do demonstrations of different software or hardware um, and it gives the the students here at the training centre it gives them a bit of hands on and lets them know what's actually available out there that might help them in their day to day lives Okay, and and the the type of stuff because I know I'm just sort of chatting to you and from being sort of observing some of these classes, there's a lot of, would I say, peer knowledge being shared. Well, this is a good thing. I mean, as well as um, people being able to ask questions about this new technology, you know, questions that maybe they they're afraid to ask, and, and they can kind of say, well, what does it actually do, and how is it actually going to help me? But they also share ideas of what actually has worked for them. So someone that has tried something out can then um, tell the others the difference it's made for them. And if it works for for one person, then it's definitely a a possible solution for another. And they'll often go out of the door saying, I am so trying that out when I get home. Well, it sounds like it's a great class. I, I know there's been some very interesting pieces of technology explored from accessible TV uh, mm-hmm. to, to iPhone and Android devices and a whole set of applications on, on, a, on a range of platforms. So uh, it, it's a type of class, and I, and I think it's a class as well, would I be correct in saying, that's based a lot on requests, trainee requests? Yes, um, the odd class that we have, we have the AT class every week, but every so often we'll have like 15 minutes or so, well, what, what's, uh, what do you want to learn about you know what have you heard about that maybe we can get it in here and have a go and uh, thrash it out and see if it works so uh, yeah it's it's very much uh, learner-led in that way. Sharon best of luck with the continued success of the AT class and thanks for chatting to us today on the podcast. Thanks very much Stuart.
On the April edition of our technology podcast, we started having a look at Windows 8. That's the latest operating system from Microsoft, which is running on tablets as well as your traditional desktop and laptop computers. Now, people were very interested in this exploration and we're going to continue with that today. Still using the Narrator screen reader, we're going to look at some of the Windows Narrator commands and we're also going to look at the Windows 8 charms and uh, tell you a little bit about what they are and how they work. It's worth saying that at the time of recording, Windows 8.1 is now gone into public beta, so it is available to test out. There have been lots of things written about Windows 8.1, and that's going to be codenamed Windows Blue. We're going to get that later in the year. There's no um, information yet on pricing or how much it's going to cost. It does have significant advantages for people who run Windows 8 apps, and I haven't really done a lot of that yet. So really, I'm using Windows 8 like I used Windows 7. Everything I run is done in desktop mode. One thing I didn't probably explain enough, and I want to mention it before we start into the main part of this uh, second review, or second feature, is the Windows ID that you really need when you use Windows 8. Or it's probably more correctly called your Microsoft ID. Just like Apple, for those of you who have Apple products, and even for those of you who have Android products, you have either a Google ID if you have Android, and you, or you have an Apple ID, which allows you to sign in on a number of different devices. And it makes lots of sense to do this because your settings and applications and even contacts and email and calendars can be very easily synchronized across a whole set of devices. So just like Apple and Google, Microsoft have their own system, the Microsoft ID. And your Microsoft ID allows you to connect, for example, to Skype, as well, of course, as to log into Windows and log into something that I use quite a lot, and that's SkyDrive. SkyDrive is a little bit like Dropbox. It doesn't have the same level of sharing functionality. So for collaborating with others, it's probably not the best thing to use, certainly not from an accessibility point of view. But on the plus side, I do find its synchronizing is far more reliable than Dropbox. So if I put a file in my SkyDrive on one computer and log in somewhere else, I'm pretty guaranteed that file is going to be there. I've noticed with Dropbox that um, synchronization doesn't always happen uh, very elegantly, let's say. So you can do a lot of things with your Windows or Microsoft ID, call it what you want. And this is going to become more and more a feature of the Windows operating system as we go forward, especially now that we're moving towards tablet computers. And we talked on the last time we talked about Windows, we talked about the idea that in the future, you know, this podcast could be recorded on and edited on a tablet computer. One of the big changes in JAWS 15 that everyone is talking about at the moment is the ability to use Windows 8 touchscreen um, devices with JAWS, and there'll be a whole series of gestures. It's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. So with all that said, let's have a look at Narrator, which is the free screen reader that comes bundled with Windows 8, and indeed Windows 7, 
and Vista and XP. And, you know, it's fair to say that as Windows versions have matured, so has Narrator, and it certainly has a lot of rich functionality. We saw some of that on the last time we looked at Windows 8. We were able to read the start menu and look at some of the icons. And let's remind ourselves of that just for the sake of uh, reviewing very quickly what we did. So first of all, I'm going to launch Windows Narrator. I don't have anything loaded at the moment on my computer. I'm going to press Control, Windows and U. And hopefully Narrator is going to pop up and start talking any second. Starting Narrator. There we go. Narrator has started. Now, just to remind you, we can press the Windows key. Start menu, pane, focus on mail. And we're on mail. And I remember I was holding down my caps lock key. And I could go right arrow. People, desktop, calendar, photos, weather, 26 degrees, Dublin. Oh, you can see that we're recording this podcast during the Irish heatwave in July. It's 26 degrees out there this evening. It's very, very nice. Had to get in for a little bit of coolness. Okay, so let's get out of the start menu again. Record sound. And I'm going to Alt and Tab to get into the narrator settings. Running programs. Narrator narrator settings window. Focus on press any key on the keyboard to hear the name of that key. Press caps lock plus F1 to review the full set of narrator commands. Press the tab key to navigate through the options. So there's, there's, I'm just going to stop that talking. There's quite a few bits of information given there when you start Narrator and when it comes into focus. You can disable all that if you want, but it gives you some information and you'll see that a lot of it is built around the caps lock key with other keys. Now, it said press the tab key. General, change how Narrator starts and other standard settings. So this is my main configuration screen when Narrator opens. I have these sets of options that I can change and it gives me a little bit of uh, help text to give me more information on each part. Navigation. Change how you interact with your PC using Narrator button. Okay. Voice. Change the speed pitch or volume of the current voice or choose a new voice button. And all I'm doing here is I'm tabbing it around. Commands. Create your own keyboard commands button. I haven't done this. In fact, I haven't done a lot of this at all, to be honest with Narrator, but this sounds very interesting. And I tell you where this could be very useful. You could have somebody who who maybe doesn't have a vision impairment at all, uh, but who might have dyslexia and who might have a physical disability. So it could be very easy to create some commands that is easy for that person to access with limited mobility in their hands and yet have speech feed, have enough um, speech feedback through narrator, for example, to read documents and yet be able to use their vision to control the rest of the computer. So I really think uh, Microsoft have put quite a bit of effort into this. Minimize this window and return to your app button. So that's really nice. You can get rid of it if you want and you can call it up later on. Exit narrator button. And there's an exit exit narrator button. The control windows and U command is a toggle. So if I press it again, it will exit narrator anyway, but I can use the button if I want. Help link. And there's your help. Press any key on the keyboard to hear the name of that key. And now we're back to the instructional text that we got at the beginning. So you can see the layout of the screen is quite straightforward. I'm going to press the tab key now to get to general. Let's have a look. General. Change how narrator starts and other standard settings button. This is a standard button, so let's hit the space bar. 
Lock the narrator key so you don't have to press them for each command. Caps lock, unchecked checkbox, shortcut alt plus L. Again, really good detail here. And uh, you can lock the key again, really useful. There is a feature buried somewhere in JAWS that allows you to do this. And I think most screen readers have this now um, for people with an additional physical disability. This is a very useful key. Uh, this is a very useful option rather. Start narrator minimized checked checkbox. Shortcut Alt plus M. So this is probably one that you want. I mean, if I was using Narrator every day and I was using it to start automatically, I definitely wanted to start minimize because I wouldn't want to explore these configuration options most of the time. Echo keyboard keystrokes while typing unchecked checkbox. Shortcut Alt plus E. So I obviously have turned this off uh, at some point earlier. I think by default, this keystroke is on all the time. Um, again, that's a fairly standard option you'd find in most screen readers. Read out voiced narrator errors checked checkbox, shortcut alt plus R. Okay, I guess that's quite important. If, if there's an error that narrator is going to report, you want to be able to hear that error. Enable visual highlighting of narrator cursor checked checkbox, shortcut alt plus V. Extremely useful for somebody with low vision to be able to scroll, especially if you're using this in conjunction with the Windows magnifier. And these solutions can sometimes be enough, especially for people with low vision who don't maybe require full magnification or where access to uh, getting magnification can be an issue. Sometimes this is enough um, to, to sort of start using a computer. Play audio cues checked checkbox, shortcut alt plus P. The audio cues are, uh, you might have heard earlier as I was navigating around the start menu, there was little sounds as I moved from icon to icon. So we can, we can turn those on or off depending if we want them. Read hints for common items checked checkbox, shortcut alt plus H. Okay, so you can turn this on or off. An example of that would be it said, for example, press F1 to do this or uh, hit the space bar to toggle. It, it, it will tell you that. You can switch that on or off. Lower the volume of other apps when narrator is running unchecked checkbox. This is, sorry, this is ticked by default. So it lowers the volume of other apps when narrator is running. I switched this off, but it's very useful if you're going to use narrator as your primary screen reader and you need to be able to hear errors. Uh, for example, if you were using a media player or um, some kind of internet radio, um, you might want to very much so you might want to leave that uh, ticked. Retain notifications to be read for 30 seconds. Editable combo box. I, I, I don't know enough about this option. I'm assuming that you can review pop-up balloons or notifications that come up in Windows for up to 30 seconds. Um, and I presume you would, ha you would read those using the narrator reading commands. It's actually an interesting feature because I don't see it, uh, certainly in the screen reader I'm most, that I use most is JAWS, and I certainly don't see an option there in JAWS. It would certainly be nice to have it because sometimes the little help balloons that pop up, and they come up more so, I think, in Windows XP, but they do have them in Windows 8. If you don't read them in a very short time, they vanish off the screen. Uh, mouse users can hover over them to keep them there longer. But this is a nice feature. Control whether narrator starts when I sign in. Link. So this is good because if you have more than one person using this computer and you all have different Microsoft sign-in accounts, you can set this up so that when you sign in with your username and password, Narrator will start. And when other family members sign in, Narrator won't start. Very handy feature. Save changes to these settings button. And here's our save changes. Restore previous help. And link. we can restore Lock the previous the settings. So I'm just going to 
Save changes to escape out of that. Press A key on the keyboard to hear the name of that key. And we'll go into the voice options. General. Navigation. Voice. Change the speed. Pitch or volume of the current voice or choose a new voice. Button. Let's hit the space bar here. Save changes to the voice speed. 50%. Slider. Voice. Change the speed. Pitch or volume of the current voice. So this is just your up and down arrow. Let's do it. 45. 40. Or we could use the page up and page down. 20. There we go. We'll go 80, up a bit. 75. 80. Okay, we'll put 40, it back to... 40. 50. Let's put it back to 50 for the moment. Let's tab. Voice volume. 100%. Slider. So we can uh, adjust the voice volume if we wish. Voice pitch. 50%. Slider. Uh, do a bit of paging up and paging down. 30. 10. 50, 70, 90, doesn't, 50. Uh, doesn't make that much difference to the pitch, I have to say. Select a different voice for narrator. Microsoft Hazel Desktop. Editable combo box. Shortcut Alt plus V. So Collapse. Hazel Desktop comes with uh, Windows 8. I don't know. I don't think I have any additional voices on my system. Um, Select a different voice for narrator. Microsoft Zero Desktop. Editable mm, combo box. Shortcut. Select a different... I think I'll keep Hazel. She's a little more clear. Um, so you can do that. Find other voices that work with narrator. Link. And uh, presumably Value that will... HTTP colon dub. Presumably that will allow you to go online and, and uh, um, you know, purchase or, or, or maybe download voices. I'm not sure what's Save there. changes to the okay. narrator. I'm going to escape out of that. That's just some of the settings uh, in narrator. There are obviously some navigation settings. Uh, if you were using this seriously as a screen reader to sort of learn all the, the different ways you can navigate the screen, you can, for example, do sort of screen reviews, which are sort of similar to using a, um, a review cursor in your screen reader. And obviously, as we saw uh, earlier on, you can actually set up your own narrator key combinations to do certain things. So, you know, it, it's quite powerful. Um, and for some people, that level of access might just be enough. I am one of these people who believe that this is going to get better and Microsoft are going to continue to develop the access. I think they almost have to because they've seen what everybody else is, is doing. And you know, I, I think it's it's obviously working well for their competitors. So I think it is going to happen. I don't think we'll we'll see it we'll see it mature over time. Um, and I think we have to just give Microsoft some time to do that. So the other thing I wanted to show you uh, this month was Windows 8 charms, and charms are little shortcuts or little. Um, I guess I think they actually appear visually rather on the side of the screen and they allow you to quickly access different parts of the operating system. You get to your charms by pressing the Windows key followed by the letter C. So I'm going to do that now. C. Charms window. Focus on start button. So the first charm is the start button. If I press this with the space bar... Start menu, pane, focus on mail. I get back to my original start screen where we showed you on the last time we looked at Windows 8. So I'm back in my tiles here if I write out uh, caps lock and right arrow. People, t Michelle Massey in desktop, calendar, so, nine. You see what I mean. Let's hit escape Record again. Record sound one and at the moment, we have Focus in SoundForge, which is the application I'm using to record um, this podcast. Now, if I do Windows and C again. 
Charms window. Focus on start button. Devices button. And I'm using my down arrow. Send now, this content to a device. Okay, so now I have the devices button and it says send this content to a device. So this will allow me to send information uh, to a, maybe a Bluetooth device or to a printer or to something else. If I was in an app and I wanted to send information, I can hit the charm for my devices. Settings button. Adjust your application and frequently used system settings. So here's the settings option. The settings charm will allow me to go in, for example, to control panel and my system properties. And there's a couple of other things in there. Search button. Search in your applications. So there is your search. And we saw uh, the last time we looked at Windows 8, we saw how to very quickly uh, use the search feature in the start menu. And I think I still think that's a much quicker way to do it, by the way. Hit the start menu. Your tiles come up. Start typing. And an edit box immediately pops up and starts to populate as you type. Share button. Share this content with people. Now, this um, option, I haven't actually managed to get to work. Um, my understanding, and I'm very much open to correction, by the way, but my understanding is that this will allow you to share what you're doing on your social networks, such as Facebook and Twitter. But as I say, I haven't been able to get it to work. Start button. And we're back to the start button. So the charms are a really quick way to move uh, to different parts or different areas within Windows and more common areas of the operating system that you might need to do to carry out uh, tasks quickly. I, I, I do think, and the charms are handy, and I think visually they're very handy for people to look at, but I do think, as I said, the search in the start menu is a really quick way to find almost anything uh, you want very quickly. So that's uh, that's all for this month in terms of Windows 8. If you have any comments, of course, send an email to technology, uh, technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. If you have any questions, I will do my best to answer them for you. Next time we come back to Windows 8, we're going to start exploring it with a screen reader and uh, we're going to use JAWS 14 and see how that handles some of the functionality of Windows 8. You're listening to NCBI's Technology Podcast for July 2013. Hope you're enjoying our podcast so far. And if you want to get in touch with us, of course, at any time, please send an email to technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. Someone who did that is Beth from the US. And she says, just want to tell you how much I'm enjoying your podcasts. I just started listening. Keep up the great work. How about doing segments on O&M stuff like the Robotic Guide Dog and other other devices. Um, definitely want to have a look at that. In fact, somebody was asking me the other day about the Trekker GPS device. So uh, we'll make a note of that, Beth, for future edition and uh, definitely try to do something on some O&M technology. We also had an email from Jerry Shanahan. Very nice to hear from Jerry. And Jerry was asking for a direct download link for the MP3 audio of our podcast. And that's a good question because some people still like to download the MP3 manually and put it somewhere particularly on your machine or maybe you're on a, a using a device that doesn't necessarily interface with a podcatching client. If you want to do that, the best way is probably by visiting the RSS page because that gives you an option to download the MP3 file directly. So that would be www.ncbi.ie 
forward slash technology podcast dot XML. The most recent heading on that page or the first heading will be the most recent episode. So in this case, the first heading should now be July 2013. So hope that answers your question, Jerry. Now, over the last year or so, a number of applications have hit the iOS App Store that allow you to use Braille input on your touchscreen. I personally find this concept really interesting, although I have to confess to not having tried any of them. And the reason I haven't is probably because I'm spoiled and I have a hardware Braille display that I carry with me everywhere. But for Brailleists who can't afford such technology, it's certainly a really good idea. The problem or the thing about most of these apps is that they've been priced in or around the 15 to 20 euros mark. The idea being that you can download the app and try it out. But if you want to use any of the features like exporting text or emailing text or posting it to your social networks, you then have to do an in-app purchase to unlock those functions. That was up to a little while ago when I came across on Twitter an app called Brailist, which is absolutely free. It is absolutely free and it allows you to do pretty much everything. It's developed by Serbi Gupta, who lives in San Francisco. And Serbi is a remarkable lady because she didn't know Braille or anything about developing for iOS. I caught up with Serbi on Skype a couple of weeks ago and started by asking her what gave her the idea to develop a Braille app. I uh, initially didn't have any intention of, um, you know, going into the assistive technology world. Um, in college, I studied neuroscience and computer science. Uh, and then I went to this conference in San Francisco where um, this app called DefTel was being demoed. And I was really inspired to do something that would make an actual difference in the lives of people. Um, as you as you know, recently there have been, you know, little bubbles about, you know, photo sharing apps and, um, and things like that, entertainment apps. But um, I think that Brailleist solves a real problem, which is, um, you know, replacing or providing an alternative to these really expensive keyboards that cost thousands of dollars. Um, and, and it uh, provides a way for people to easily do the things that sighted people can do with their star- smartphones um, without having to uh, carry around um, heavy keyboards and all of that. So, so the 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 scope of the of the problem impressed me, and also not a lot of people are doing things like this. So I was really interested in um, in in entering a space that is not crowded and um, and making a difference. So, as a as a as a non as a non Braille user, let's say who who had an idea for an app, did you did you have to go and learn Braille before you developed this? I did actually. I actually had to learn how to do iPhone development as well. So uh, I was completely new to this when I started out, and um, a part of why this is free is because my intention was not to uh, not to create a company out of it. Um, I um, I already have a full time job, and and uh, uh, this was just. A, a part of uh, part of me wanting to um, to volunteer my time and and learn something new and uh, and just give back to society. And and that is reflected in uh, because people normally ask this in the last part of an interview. That is reflected in the price of the app, or should I say that there is a, a currently no price in the app. The app is free. Now, you, you know, there are other Braille apps on the market on iOS that cost up to 30 
dollars. What's is is this your intent to keep it free, or or, or is this a um, an introductory type thing? Uh, for now, the app will remain free for as long as um, you know. Uh, I'm I'm the at the forefront of the development group. Um, I'm actually the sole developer of the app, so I get to make all the decisions. And uh, um, there's there's no reason for me to uh, start charging for for an app that you know that didn't honestly didn't take me that much of my life to create. Like I I invested um, about three months uh, full-on development time to to get it to a state where um, it was uh, being adopted by many people and um, and for me that is not a lot of time so for sure um, it'll stay free for now what a wonderful (laughs) philosophy as an app developer really really great and that idea of giving something back and and you know quite a quite an effort that you went to uh, in as you say learning to program and learning braille but let's talk about the the braille app i have to confess to not having tried it yet although after this podcast i certainly will um <laughs> just tell me a little bit about one of the things i was very impressed with was grade one and grade two input Yes. Um, so as I was researching Braille, I, I found that grade two um, shorthand and contractions are, are hugely important, much more than in English. And so I begin to realize that to, to derive real value from the app, um, users need, need a way to, uh, to be able to use those um, contractions and, and grade two characters. So, so I went ahead and added that functionality. Um, and I, I didn't try to stick to a minimalist app because... I wanted this to be used by people who are not only, you know, visually impaired and want an alternative Braille keyboard, but also people who who are just interested in Braille, who are Braille teachers, who are Braille students, who who need a better way to um, practice what they learn in classes. Um, so this is a, a very kind of general purpose Braille app that um, that people um, are going to be going to be using to uh, to practice Braille too and. Um, to agree to, and uh, uh, and, I, and I hope a lot of people are getting benefit from that for that reason. I know there's another app that's um, uh, that's pretty popular um, that does not yet support grade two. So I believe that uh, that's one of the unique features about this app in addition to the price. Okay. Now, the the app, uh, it works in, in the instructions and there's very detailed instructions on the website and we've put the website on our show notes. Um, it, it, so, so the app works by holding your phone lengthways in, in portrait mode, yeah? Yes. Um, so you can actually either work it in the portrait mode and look at the screen or have the screen facing away from you in landscape mode and that that would be um, the one that I imagine visually impaired users would prefer to use um, yes okay so you hold you hold the phone away from you you type uh, with the phone essentially being held sideways um, right. and and you just your fingers sort of naturally I suppose sit on the screen into this shape of the six braille six braille keys yeah and that's one of the innovative things about this app I, I don't think there's a single app out there well apart from a, a few other braille apps that that uh, use this hand positioning and and the fact is it translates pretty decently um, I mean you're using six fingers and, and um, the voiceover feedback tells you which um, which finger you're um, which button your fingers on and uh, 
And so it works out pretty well. Now, most apps of this type, for example, Flexi and some of the other Braille apps, um, allow you to do things like send the text you type, either copy to the clipboard or send it to a text message or Twitter or Facebook. Uh, Yours does all that, but it has the additional facilities to be able to create something which I thought were really good uh, notes. So there's an actual library of notes feature. Um, Yeah, I I decided that um, there was there was no reason to to have people type something and then have them to to have to either copy the clipboard at that moment or uh, or send it out right then and there. You know, almost all apps we use in our daily day-to-day life support saving in some form or the other. So it seemed to me a pretty integral feature. And uh, uh, and I understand that a lot of other apps don't support this feature. So this is another one of those things where, um, you know, I, I really wanted to, um, to explore my programming capabilities and provide as many features as possible uh, instead of, you know, going for, um, let's let's come up with this huge plan for all the things that we want to do and 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 get funding for it first before we implement anything and and that's how when uh, you know things take longer so I just went for it I, whatever features I thought were important I put them in there and I'm glad people are getting use out of it. <laughs> and one of the other I guess advanced functions or features of this app is the idea to be able to create your own shortcuts or your own actual uh, I guess you might call them braille combinations right? Yes, yes so um, right now you can create your own contractions so you can say um, you know I want LOL to mean laughing out loud and every time you type LOL and hit space uh, that will automatically be converted to the to the um, to the full for the uh, full of the abbreviation however um, uh, I do not yet support adding your own custom uh, dot combinations, so uh, the custom um, Braille mappings. So um, you can use existing mappings that are in the library, but um, addition of new mappings is not yet supported. Okay, so Braillist is an app that's very much alive and something that we're going to see regular updates for in the future. Yeah, uh, and I'm definitely rooting for um, a lot more people to spread the word because it's completely free and, and there's no marketing campaigns going behind it. So it's all up to you guys and, and thanks so much for having me here. It's it's incredible. I mean, I, I, I really have to say from what you've told me that the, what the app does, I, I, I'm not really sure why somebody would spend up to $30 on another Braille app that essentially seems to do the same thing. Um, Serbi, thank you so much for talking to us. Do you want to give us the website where people can read the very comprehensive user manual as I did uh, already. I know you can search for Brailist, uh, that's B-R-A-I-L-L-I-S-T in the App Store. Can you give us the website where they can find people can find out more information? Yes, of course. Um, so the website is brailist.info dot info um, and uh, you can find all of the information you need including a manual for the, for the visually impaired um, and um, yeah and feel free to shoot me a message if you have a comment or a question or a suggestion Serbi thank you very much for talking to us and thank you in particular for uh, taking our interview call at 8am in San Francisco I hope we'll check in with you uh, later on maybe in the year see how Brailis is getting on but for the moment Serbi Gupta thank you very much for talking to us thank you so much Finally this month, it's time to catch up with someone else who's using technology and indeed playing lots of music. That's Nikki Keeley, who joins us from his home in Carlo on the phone. Nikki, uh, welcome to the NCBI Technology Podcast. 
Thank you, Stuart. Good evening. Good evening, and thanks for joining us. We were we were chatting sort of off air before we did this interview, and just talking about your earliest memories, I suppose, of technology. What you sort of started off using back in the in the early days in school. Yeah, and I was just saying to Stuart, and kind of probably giving you a few memories of. Uh, the early days when, you know, because uh, um, we kind of went to school in and around the same time, but, you know, uh, the the uh, the whole introduction of computers for us back then, and, and you know, uh, I mean, using, you know, screen readers like HAL, and then using programs like WordPerfect, and, you know, um, I mean, I started using technology when I went into secondary school, so second-level education, and, uh, you know, because in primary school, all, all the, the teachers, we, we did everything through Braille, so... You know, that's when it really took an important step for me. And before that, I mean, if, I mean, I knew how to use a typewriter, but I thought, well, you know, computers don't really matter at the moment. So, were you ever exposed to Braille technology, like say Braille and Speak, or those those kind of things? No, I was in the sense that I seen other people, but I wasn't. I never had the privilege of using one of my or, or having one. Okay, so jump uh, a number of years forward. I don't know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen years forward. Here you are working. Like more, okay, yeah. right. Anyway, so we're jumping a few years forward. Here you are working um, and and playing playing music. And one of the things I was curious about because you're doing lots of gigs, you're out and about singing, and presumably using a lot of equipment. Is is that is that type of equipment accessible these days? Keyboards, sound mixers, that kind of stuff. Not a lot of it. Uh, oh, it, um, yeah, mixers definitely. Desks, um, no problem. And now that they have nice new kind of groovy desks, and I seen one there a couple of months ago, which is um, how do we describe this? All the, the the faders and the sliders and the equalizers and all these things—they are all on a screen and they're touched. It's like a touch screen, so it's like a flat screen. Like if you imagine your iPhone and the way you you touch the screen to do different things, well, they've got desks like that these days. So obviously, I don't know how uh, accessible they're going to be to us in the future. But the normal desks, certainly with the with the with the, the faders and the, and the buttons and the equalizers and the, the graph, all the graphic stuff there on display, they're all accessible. And I've I, I have them in terms of keyboards. The most accessible kind of model of keyboards that I have come up against uh, would be the the uh, they were formerly the Sultan, but now they're the, the Ketron. They're an Italian uh, company, as far as I'm aware, and I have. Uh, a Ketron model, and uh, I find it fairly accessible. I mean, it's not 100% accessible because they don't have spoken prompts or anything like that, but it is fairly accessible for for you touch one button and you'll get one response from that button, or you might get a, a, a two-way response, but you'll know how many presses that you need mostly to do it. So for you, it's probably a bit of learning the prompts, knowing that you sort of oh, anticipate. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you press something three times, you want to change a particular sound. Definitely, you want to or press that it. four times and it'll bring you into a certain screen. Yeah. yeah, okay. So talk to me about the idea. You're, you're, you're using social media. You've embraced social media a lot, using um, your, your uh, um, iDevice for all sorts of things. Yeah, unfortunately, kind of let us down tonight, Stuart. Uh, in a way, because um, I we were going to attempt to a, a Skype call, but my 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 Skype decided it didn't really want to work. But uh, usually it does, and I mean, you know, I I my iPhone is my little portable office. I mean, you know, whatever I want, it's 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 it has email. It has you know, you can write send email. You can you know do all that kind of thing. You can Facebook. You can go Twitter. You can use all the apps that you'll need. You can use Viber if you're in wireless areas. And, 
you know, all that kind of stuff, which, which you wouldn't be without these days. And, I mean, you'd have to have two or three, three different devices to do it. And, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, sell these things to anybody because, for me, the key thing I want to get across by, talk, by talking to you is they work for me. They work because I, they work that I can turn them on. I know what to do to use them. And I think that's what people have to get, you know, through to themselves, that it's not that you have to know how to fix them. I have friends who I'll just call up and say, listen, this is broke. Can you fix it? And, you know, some people would say, well, can you just not go and learn how to do it yourself? But no, I don't want to do that. I, I want to be able to just use them. I mean, you know, not every car owner has to be a mechanic, you know? Sure. What, was there was there a learning curve for you or, or what was the experience like? Because for, for many of us, I include myself in this, coming from that sort of button menu style mm. phone to something that's completely mm. different. How did you get oh, around yeah. that? I'll tell you how I got around it. A friend of mine had an iPod. And I bought the iPod off this person uh, with voiceover, and I learned how to use the iPod. And I still had my nice, crusty little button phone uh, with uh, Talks uh, software, and I used that for a while. And when I was totally familiar with the iPod, and my phone was giving out, and it, it didn't have much left to go and served its purpose, I decided, you know what, you're going to take the leap now, and you're going to buy yourself an iPhone, because you know how to use the iPod. And so all I had to do then was get myself into being able to text on the phone. But then I, I, I suddenly realized that, look, if you get a Bluetooth keyboard as an attachment kind of, you know, to help you, it's much easier. So I bought my first iPhone in, I think it was January 2011. And that was the iPhone 4. And actually, it's my first and only iPhone because it's actually still working and it's still here serving me well. Although it's getting a bit sluggish now at the moment. So I reckon we'll have to possibly updated fairly soon, get, you know, probably a 4S or a 5. I'm reluctant to go for the 5 with the, the different kind of... Um, USB uh, connector. Connections mm. and stuff because of my eye, because my, my eye device, my docking station and stuff like that. But, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll wait and see. So for you, that transition was almost done in a, a, um, a controlled type of environment. Oh, you very could, much yeah, so, which yeah. Is, very controlled, yeah. And that's the way I wanted it. Yeah, yeah. good idea, um, good idea. What are, you, are you using much in line of, because I know you're a, a Braille reader and, and uh, using any Braille technology or any access No, I, I'm not. And it, I, Well, the real reason I'm not is because I can't afford it. Um, and that's the shame about, about Braille uh, devices. There's anything to do with Braille. It's very expensive. And I suppose I'm just not prepared to pay the prices that it, that they command at the minute. Um, if I read Braille, I read Braille by by book format and um, or, or or write down. You know, I'd I'd emboss something into Braille uh, using an embosser. But uh, no, I I can't afford the luxury of a display, or I can't. I can't let myself afford the luxury of a display. There's, there's okay. other priorities, I'm afraid. Okay. Uh, what sort of, what do you think is missing or what are you maybe excited about in the future? What would you like to see in terms of technology that might make your life easier? In terms of the future, I suppose I would like to see Braille becoming more affordable in terms of uh, Braille displays. That would be really it for me in terms of being able to just whip something out of my pocket, not to have to put headphones in and write uh, particularly for me doing uh, some presentations as part of my work sometimes, um, I would be using, say, PowerPoint and stuff, but it, it can be difficult to try and have a set of headphones in your uh, trying to ears, trying to work out what's going on. Uh, basically, what I do a lot is I would bring my presentation and I would have somebody else uh, work the slides and stuff. And it would be great if you could do that, do that yourself. 
affordably, I would say, because I mean, I'm sure you can at the moment, but not affordably, to, in my in my reckoning, um, and be able to to to, to do all that yourself. So that's the sort of thing I'd love to be able to. I'm not a real tech person, so I like to pick things that will work for me, and I would like to see maybe, you know. Software that could speak, not just like Apple have made great strides, but if but we talked earlier about, you know, keyboards and stuff like that, if we could, if we could get some sort of software that you could put into different products that would be able to speak back to you. As somebody who has who is involved occasionally in presentations, I completely agree with you about the PowerPoint stuff. Um, mm. we, we need to find, and I know there are some solutions out there, but I need to maybe learn how to use them, which is probably the other thing. That's a, yeah, well, there you go. Nikki, tell us, uh, before we let you go, uh, last question that we always ask to everybody, what's the one piece of technology that doesn't, that's never away from you, that you won't leave home without? Well, I don't know if other people say this, and it can get very boring if everybody says the same thing, but I, honestly, for me, it is the phone. The phone does so much for me in terms of what I want, and it's, it's not just something... I mean, I probably spend more time online with it than I do with it up to my ear taking a call. And it's not so funny that years ago, you would never have thought your phone would do anything like this. I mean, I remember my first mobile phone was an Ericsson GO118. And I mean, I don't know if you remember that particular model, but it was a brick. And all it did was take calls. And I learned through a series of, of, of button presses and stuff how to send a text message. But I mean, you know, I couldn't read anything back because it didn't have... And it had an aerial, you know, and I think I still have it. Well, it's interesting that you've mentioned the mobile phone and many other people have, but I think you're, you are absolutely justified in that you say it is so many more things than just a mobile phone. You're it carrying is, yeah. a computer it's in a your It's a device. Pocket. It's a mobile workstation kind of thing. It's, it's you know, it, it does so much and it, it, it serves so much of a purpose. And I don't know whether it's a, a, a visual impairment kind of thing, a blind person's thing, but definitely it's something that because it speaks and it doesn't have to speak I can hand it to somebody and say Look, just put in your own number and I can turn off voiceover and restore the screen to, for them and all that so there's so much that you can that you can do and you are part of the of, can I use the word normal um, kind of community the, whereas yeah. before you know well just to, you know because before you'd be going about your you'd be trying to add a number and people go oh why isn't your screen turned on you know like if you were using a talks operated phone like a Nokia and you'd have all your brightness settings turned down because you wouldn't need them and people go oh why isn't this working why haven't you got this now you can just press a button your screen is on everything's on you say here put in your number there for me or, or fix that app for me or do something there for me you know or just show them something that they can have say you can buy that product as well it's, it's, it's accessible to me but it's you know, you don't need accessibility and you can use it. We can all be, you know, doing the same thing. I completely get what you say. And recently uh, in work, I was showing some people photographs of my niece, who's about a year and a half now, and I was able to mm. pass the phone around and they could scroll through there them. You and, go. and it's and you were, fantastic. Yeah. And I could sort of talk about them as they were looking at them. Um, the one thing I'd love to be able to do uh, on the iPhone and, and, you know, is on other on older phones, we used to be able to label our photographs and we'd be able to... to have them so that we'd know exactly what they were. The iPhone, you don't seem to be able to do that. Right. And I, that's, a, that's a big pity for me because everything else is so friendly with it and, and not to be able to know your photographs is, or not to be able to know what a photograph is, is you know. Hopefully something in the upcoming Apple iOS release. Maybe. Who knows? Nikki, before you go, um, do you want to give us your contact details? I know you have a website and we can read all about your music and obviously follow you on social networking if you wish. <laughs> 
Yeah, twitter.com forward slash Nikki Keeley and at Nikki Keeley on Twitter and uh, website bit outdated, but you know, I need to do a bit of technological work on that at the moment, just updating it. Again, you see, I keep telling you I'm not a technical person, but I, I uh, have a very good friend who does all that, but it's NikkiKeeley.com and I'm on Facebook, but generally my uh, my uh, social media uh, offerings do not go with, uh, like, you know, the latest technological advances and stuff like that, but if you're into general chat and any current affairs or you know, topics of the day, come on board and we'll have a chat. Well worth following. Nikki, thanks a million for chatting to us uh, today and joining us on our technology podcast. Thank you, Stuart. Many thanks to Nikki Keeley there in Carlo for sharing some of his usage of technology with us. And before that, of course, thanks to Serbi Gupta for telling us all about her iOS app, Brailist. And you know something, folks, if you're interested at all in Braille input, try that app out because it's absolutely free. You've nothing to lose. And it'd be great to give Serbi a bit of support for a wonderful uh, initiative that she has taken on. Apologies, too, about that interview on Skype because I recorded it in my office uh, using a Skype headset set that probably wasn't exactly up to the job, but I hope it didn't detract too much from your enjoyment of the interview. That's just about it. Thanks to all our contributors, Serbi, Nikki, and of course, our assistive technology students at NCBI's Rehabilitation Training Centre. Join us in August when, amongst other things, David Nason is here to show us a new Bluetooth keyboard, and we're at Site Village in Birmingham to find out what's hot and what's not. Until August, this is Stuart Lawler saying have a good month, take care, and goodbye.